Good afternoon, Air Brooklyn here. This is your host, Ben Piven. Today we'll be talking about New York City's subway woes, why the system has gone so wrong. We will be speaking with Masha Barina of the Riders Alliance to hear her insights, and we'll also be taking a tour of the system with an assemblyman, a councilman, and a number of other New York City officials who deal with the subway system. And uh, let's get started with an introduction here. New York City's subway system has hit rock bottom. The summer from hell has seen train delays skyrocket, countless derailments, a malfunctioning signal system, power failure, political feuding, and finally a plan from new old transit chairman Joe Loda to fix everything. The proposal calls for some obvious things, more funding, quick repairs, better communication, but it also has some novel if odd solutions including seatless L-cars and lengthening the C-train. Loda himself said, quote, We're having a record number of customers. We also have ancient infrastructure, combined with a lack of capital investment over the long haul, end quote. But the ambitious leader has a tall order. Spearhead track maintenance, increase safety, turn the corner with cleanliness, provide a reliable public dashboard, and above all, reduce public anger stemming from horrendously late trains. So the MTA will be hiring thousands of new workers to improve train cars, help sick passengers, shorten incident response times, and limit fire hazards. The $836 million price tag is no laughing matter, however. Without a fair hike, but with Mayor de Blasio fighting with Governor Cuomo about who should foot the bill, where do we go from here? Let's start with Masha. My name is Masha Barina and I'm a senior community organizer here at the Writers Alliance. What drives me to uh, the work that I do is this idea that public transit can be a sort of equalizer or at least contribute to um, bringing greater social and economic quality within New York and it's really a public good that we need to invest in but because of decades of underinvestment we're sort of at the crisis point that we're at right now. And I firmly believe, as does the mission of the organization as well, that change can only really come from grassroots organizing, particularly because there is someone that we are targeting and when it comes to this issue, and that is our elected officials, particularly Governor Cuomo. You know, sort of belief in the process of democracy to improve transportation is why I do what I do. I guess the bottom line question is who is going to pay for all this? There's all this feuding politically. The mayor says the governor pays, the governor says the mayor's not putting enough money into the capital fund. The MTA, particularly the capital plan, which is a five-year program that invests in the transportation infrastructure when it comes to improving our subways and buses but also expanding the system. The capital plan right now has a number of different con contributors paying for it. So one is the, the lion's share, or many ways the lion's share actually, that the state is a major contributor paying 8.3 billion. Then there's the city that is paying two and a half billion. The federal government contributes almost seven billion dollars and the MTA itself through a series of bonds, assets and sales, private developer funds, contributes and pays for 12 billion dollars of the capital plan. So a couple years ago, 
the city and the state, typically Governor Cuomo and Mayor de Blasio, negotiated a certain ratio of how much the city would pay in, in relation to the state. This was really the, the first time we know that the MTA being a state-run agency, it's really Governor Cuomo's job to identify where he plans to raise $8.3 billion to, to fund the, the capital plan. You're optimistic that all of these different factors will come together, the money will materialize, and we're going to get back on the right track. Great question. I mean, I'm optimistic because New Yorkers are angry right now, and I think that as a result of much of the campaigning that we have done over the years, New Yorkers now understand that it, this is Governor Cuomo's MTA to fund and fix. Whenever we step into uh, the subway system, go underground, pass through a turnstile, we know and more. we believe that more and more New Yorkers now know that this is Governor Cuomo's domain. There is no question of whether or not this is a state or city public good, right? I'm optimistic because people know exactly who to hold accountable. So you would say the number one reason the subway system is failing right now is that the governor has allowed it to fail? Yes, <laughs> the governor has allowed the subways to fail. It's not the governor to have invented uh, the policy of underinvestment in our subways, but he has been in office since January of 2011. He has been able to monitor the state of the MTA, specifically the growth in ridership, and should have really been prepared for the point that we're at today and taken measures years ago to stabilize the system. So do you think this is a question of getting sort of exponentially worse where there's a series of problems and they all sort of snowball and once you allow too many of them to fester then they just kind of multiply whereas if since 2011 as you say the governor were diligently looking after okay we've got the signal issue we've got the repairing the tracks we've got public accountability a dashboard we got mm -hmm. communication when you're on the train explaining what's going on mm -hmm. there are all these different components that are all quite different issues some deal with technology some deal with transparency some just have to do with old-fashioned infrastructure. So is the overall factor really just a lack of ownership over the whole system and the fact that it just doesn't care? <laughs> yeah, I think to a large degree, fixing the subways, making them more reliable, reducing the number of delays, addressing problems of overcrowding are not sexy political topics. It's not easy to hold a press conference around subway delays and solutions to fixing the, the state of our infrastructure. I do think that this is really the result of many years of neglect, six of them being under his watch. Now that we've kind of reached this summer of hell, boiling point, and writers know that it's his problem to fix, he is having to take ownership of it. The short of it is, yeah, <laughs> this is this is Governor Cuomo's problem. You know, high time that he fixes it. Seems like there's a bit of a prisoner's dilemma with the mayor, the new mm. chairman of the MTA, and the governor. And Loda is a former political rival of de Blasio's. But this could be a win-win for everybody if different sort of political interests kind of come together and actually make it happen. Is the issue that the governor's worried, okay, if I have a press conference on these train traffic delays and this doesn't really work out and, and my initiative fails, is it is it that the downside risk is too significant and that's why he doesn't want to really take it on? Because is it a numbers game? Is it like 
his advisor is saying, okay, Governor, the, the probability that this is just not going to happen, it's just going to cost way more than we expected, that he's just making a political calculation saying this is a loser of, of an issue just because it's so complicated, it takes so many years, mm -hmm. this is just never going to help me. Is that just... Is this sort of cynical bottom line politically? I, mean, I think there are a number of things at play that could address kind of the, the issue that you're raising. And one is when it comes to this prisoner's dilemma, the mayor has to do a better job of clarifying that he doesn't have the power, he doesn't have the statutory power right now to really fund the subways. The city, city hall can't raise taxes on New Yorkers. So it's essential for him to, to lay that out for the public. This is a political calculation and it probably has been one for the last six years for you know a governor who probably has his eyes set on higher office, but you've probably seen and I'm sure a lot of your listeners have as well, that polling shows that New Yorkers know that the MTA is in the governor's domain and it's going to hurt him at the end of the day at the ballot box if he doesn't fix it. If he hasn't made the political calculation by now that it's time for him to take some serious ownership and also be, you know, the, the potential governor that comes out as, as the victor for riders, right, who is able to come up with a set of solutions and manage us out of this crisis, obviously with the support of Loda to some degree, but if he makes the right political calculation, it could actually set him on a better path politically. <laughs> right. So this is sort of a more specific question that relates to my experience as a rider on the subways. When you're sitting there and the conductor says, mm -hmm. whether it's train traffic ahead or due to police activity, blah, 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 you always, or at least I personally, would always want to know why we're delayed. Not that that necessarily mm -hmm. makes a difference at the end of the day, but that was one of, I believe, Loda's 30 points now that they actually will seek to provide more reliable information to people who are on the train so that when you're sitting there for 15, 20 minutes underground, you at least know how long it might take, mm -hmm. why you're sitting there. Is that realistic to expect conductors to begin delivering more reliable information to passengers? That's a great question. Yeah, riders are aggravated when they're underground and have no idea what's happening and we're being fed this kind of canned response in terms of uh, why it is we're stuck underground. To your bigger question of whether or not we can actually expect conductors to, to have better information, this is really kind of Loda's moment to show to the, to the 8 million you know, riders, 6 million of them, subway riders specifically, uh, whether or not he can actually improve communications between the, the problems that are ahead and um, the riders in, in cars. In terms of other things that Loda has proposed, there's so many different items, and as I was mentioning, these are really, many of them are really just separate problems. Are there any aspects of his recent 30-point plan that you have identified as an organization that will work particularly well? Are there certain things that you've been um, championing for a long time here? Sort of his overall interest in increasing transparency between BMTA and the ridership with regards, for example, to this very broad idea of a dashboard will be useful. Right now, one of the potential, you know, problems that 
hinders the MTA's ability to really address delays is a lack of information, um, both collecting information as to the source of every, all the delays, but also sharing it publicly. So when we think about a dashboard that actually provides information as to the reliability, safety, and customer experience, we think that it has to be sort of a way for riders to hold the MTA and elected officials who have power over the MTA accountable to addressing problems. More information is always a good thing. Last week, a number of officials spent two days touring the system, going from train to train, station to station, talking with commuters, seeing what was happening on the ground, why the trains were moving so slowly, and I heard first from Assemblyman Jeffrey Dinowitz, who represents uh, parts of the Bronx and who chairs the committee at the state legislature in Albany responsible for the MTA. Let's hear what he had to say. Did you guys uh, happen to invite the governor along for the tour today? I don't believe we invited the governor. I think we invited the legislators from both the city council and the state, state legislature. Do you think the governor is observing what this tour is about? I imagine the governor stays on top of everything. He's very good about stuff, so I'm sure he's aware of what's, what we're trying to do. And this is not about attacking the governor or attacking the mayor. It's about trying to be a, a small part of the solution to the problems that we have. What do you think is the number one problem? Is it a function of political will? Is it funds? Well, I think th those are kind of almost the same thing. I think a lot of it is funds. You know, some people say, oh, the MTA is a black hole, we can't throw more money at it, so they waste a lot of money. Maybe that's all true. But in order to accomplish much of what we have to do, we do need more revenue, I think. Uh, there should be greater efficiency, obviously, but we still need more revenue, especially for long-term capital goals. And it, it does take a lot of political will to do that. And I think up until now, you know, the, the crisis as a, has been building for a long time, but it, it didn't seem to make the front pages of the newspapers until very recently. And maybe in part it was precipitated by all the goings on at Penn Station, which is, you know, it's kind of a separate issue. Um, but, but that's good. As they say, we, we shouldn't, you know, waste the crisis, however that saying goes. With much hoopla, the Second Avenue subway was open. Great. Great. It's very nice that uh, people in a very small part of town, you know, have this great new subway. It's one. It really is good. But we have to address the issues that affect the whole system, not uh, not just the um, front page projects like the Second Avenue subway. And that means uh, the dealing with the signals and the tracks and, and new cars and you know all that kind of stuff. And that, that's not something which is going to be resolved tomorrow. Uh, but, we, but people shouldn't have to wait till their kids grow up uh, for, for it to be resolved. You know, millions of people take the trains, and they have a right to have trains that run on time and that are not unpleasant. And and you know, I mean, this I don't know what's 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 going on with this station, but this is gross. I mean, obviously that, that doesn't involve capital uh, investments to deal with that. Uh, so, so there is a lot of work to do. By Councilman Rodriguez and I doing this together, it, it's sort of a, it's, it's symbolic of what what I'm sa I've been saying about the city and the state working together instead of pointing fingers at each other. And you know, who's in charge of the trains? Um, everybody. I mean, the, the city and the state both have responsibility, but ultimately the state has the largest responsibility, in my opinion. I'm not going to say I'm not going to point fingers at the city. Uh, I know the the media loves to 
highlight any kind of disagreement between the mayor and the governor, but that's not productive, and ultimately the mayor and the, and the governor and the city and the state in general need to work together. This is a huge issue, and it has to be resolved by everybody together. Mayor de Blasio ran on a, pl a pledge to get universal pre-K for four-year-olds. He did that, or made it happen, with, in conjunction with the legislature, of course, within a short period of time. Andrew Cuomo decided, and we needed it, to build a new Tappan Zee Bridge, and it's going along very smoothly. They can get important and big things done when they want, and I, that's why I have confidence that the two of them working together can make can get this done. Now let's hear from New York City Councilman Idanis Rodriguez, who represents a part of Manhattan in Washington Heights, who, with Assemblyman Jeffrey Dinowitz, was co-chairing the subway tour last week. Listening from writers about the conditions of our train stations, this is one of those that we will bring to the hearing that we will have next week about how we can take our transportation system to the 21st century. Like our train station, they should be cleaner, they should be safer, and what we hear from many writers is that they expect you know, from the train station to be a place where, first of all, it should take them less from them to go from their house, from their apartment to place to work, but also how safe our train station State, city, the private sector, that we have to do better. That we cannot be behind all the city, that they already have a better plan on how to modernize our transportation system. And thus far today, what would you say you've come to understand that's new, that's added to the problem in, in your mind? Well, I've been taking the train since the 80s when I moved to this city, since 1983. So we lived those years with the, the trains, especially the one a train in Washington Heights, and the A train, they didn't have air conditions. There was neither heat in most of the one train in the 80s and the 90s. Keep taking the trains as I've been doing it, including today where I very often I also take the, the trains. I have lived this experience of being delayed, uh, being 20 minutes, half an hour late, late in an appointment that I had to meet individual constituency, representatives of CBOs. Most New Yorkers rely on a public transportation. Only 1.4 million New Yorkers own a vehicle. The new millennium doesn't have license. They are more into riding their bike, using the buses, using the trains. That was Manhattan Borough President Gail Brewer. Let's see what else she had to say. So, so what have you learned so far today? What have you seen that's new that you didn't know about? I take the subway, subway every morning. Well, I don't think I see anything. I mean, it's, um, I take the, like, sometimes I take the cross-town bus over to the 6th, or sometimes I just take the B or the C, which is right near my house. I don't get a lot of problems. I mean, I don't see a lot of problems. I don't take it every day. I take it like four or five times a week. I take the buses. I love my buses. I mean, 
I, I think they just they need, they need to figure out work, you know, how to get more fit, how to be more efficient, and how to get more money. Right? You know, that's a challenge. It just seems so easy for the debate to devolve into a myriad of different issues. There's so many different things going on. So they started to debate within this group uh, during the subway tour various aspects of accessibility, security. You can't get to where you're going because the destination point is not accessible. I mean, what we have to get over, I think, is it was a lot to that that the station is going to be accessible. Yeah. And they're only doing the stations that are under that first equipment. That's almost done. No, I know. We need to have more There at the East Broadway station, everyone was discussing the logistics of getting down to the train and broken machines for buying your Metro card and then people paying some fellows who were just kind of hanging out near the entrance to get access just via cash. And it was quite the mess. Obviously, East Broadway is not one of the better stations within the MTA system. Um, but there's just an infinite number of things to fix. Next, Air Brooklyn spoke with Polly Trottenberg, the Department of Transportation Commissioner for New York City. New York is trying to get to work on time and intact and wants to be part of the solution, particularly as you're hearing today, what are some long-term funding solutions. But just remember, we talk city and state, and I think it's been written about elegantly. Most of the funding for the MTA comes from city taxpayers. It either comes directly from city subsidies, city capital funders, or through taxes that are levied directly on city residents up in Albany. So no matter what the solution is going to be, it's going to fall on city taxpayers, city riders, and city drivers. And I think, I think the chairman put it well. We, we want to make sure that as we're obviously putting the needed contributions into the MTA, we know what the money's going for, there's transparency, there's accountability, and the city has a real seat. The governor declared a state of emergency. How bad in your mind for DOT is this emergency? How urgent is it? I think there's no question that we've seen this summer serious declines in the service and functionality of the subway system and a sense of real urgency I think on everybody's part. We hear it from riders, elected officials, mayor and governor that we have to be all hands on deck in coming up with both some shorter term operational solutions and then long term solutions on sustainable funding. I think there's good consensus on that. But how long do you think commuters will have to wait for serious, noticeable improvement in subway conditions? I mean, that's a good question. Chairman Loda has pledged that he wants to do a lot of things right away, and, you know, I think we'll take him at his word, and, and let's see how the rest of the summer shapes up. I know, you know, they're going to make a better effort to keep the tracks clean, get repairs done more quickly, station emergency vehicles and spare parts and spare spare cars where they can be accessed quickly in the case of an emergency. So I think they have a lot of good ideas. And um, now back to our conversation with Masha. I have friends who have posted on Facebook these screenshots mm -hmm. which show the list of service changes yeah. at the MTA. And 
Sometimes that's for the weekend, sometimes it's these repairs that have been planned for a long time. The reason they're posted is because there's something contradictory where at some point it says this is delayed and then it says that line is fine and you're like, wait a minute, well, which is it? Mm -hmm. And then the plan service changes and sometimes you look down the line and 80% of them are, are messed up for that day or that weekend. And as a New Yorker, you just feel this existential sense of dread and you're like, how can I live in this place where Wherever you want to go, if it's Saturday, Saturday night, Sunday, Sunday night, generally the system's in much worse shape. Uh, that doesn't do anything for quality of life, perception of your pride in the city, and, and it just makes you depressed to see that long list of... I mean, obviously, if they're fixing things, if they're moving in the right direction, that's great. And so if those service changes are a function of, hey, they're actually dudes down there underground <laughs> investing in the tracks and, and bring them into this century, that's great. And so if, it, if they need to inconvenience me because of sandy damage, because they're putting in you know, analog and then digital mm -hmm. subway signaling system, whatever it may be, that's fine and you can sort of accept it if we know that we're moving in the right direction. But if it just seems like there's mayhem without any trajectory in a positive direction, I'm just going to get on my bike because it's much easier. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Yeah. No, I mean, I think you'd point to sort of a feeling that a lot of us New Yorkers have, which is, you know, we get up in the morning and we don't know if we're going to get to our appointments, our work, our meetings on time. We don't know if we'll be able to show up at all. And this existential dread, as you put it, should be alleviated with what we were talking about a little bit earlier ago, right? Which is uh, better, clear um, information between the MTA and riders, whether that's uh, information regarding the kinds of delays and the source of the delays and the duration of delays that's posted online, or having uh, more workers within stations or otherwise informing us of what the problem is and how and when it will be resolved, right? It's this just broader public communications issue that the MTA has that we hope Joe Loda is working on with his broader kind of action plan. Any aspects of Loda's plan that you think are bad idea? Are there any things you've looked at where you said this is a waste of your time? Or is it is it kind of, it's all good? They just got to start doing them. Yeah, I think it's all good. You know, Loda has a reputation of being sort of an experienced manager and leader. And his approach to testing out a number of different projects should be seen as a good thing for writers, right? Let's test out sort of all and experiment with all the different um, ways that we can reduce crowding and the number of delays and see what works, right? And really be able to apply those best practices to get us out of this state of emergency. So I wouldn't say there's anything right now that is like flat out terrible idea, but it's sort of a matter of actually seeing what uh, gets people where they need to go on time. I don't know how much you've personally jumped into the Triborough RX proposal, mm. the BQX, which would run from Sunset Park to Astoria. Um, these are ideas that seem far into the future. I know that at least with the BQX that would run through my neighborhood and I was originally quite excited about it but then once I started talking to folks I realized how exorbitantly costly it would be in the small number of people it would move around. Are there certain projects that, that you as an organization are recommending that would really increase capacity and efficiency? The Triborough RX and the BQX are two 
big project intended to alleviate some of the biggest problems that plague non-Manhattanites, and that is interborough connections. But before we get to considering Triborough X or the BQX, these kind of bigger projects, it's really important that we fix the system that we have right now before we decide to spend billions of dollars on new lines, which at this point has sort of a questionable ridership. The other is that we really need to look at sort of our, our network of buses and how we can make the buses more reliable, faster, better for the two and a half million New Yorkers who depend on them, who are largely low income and traveling over an hour to get to where they need to go. To what extent do you, as an organization, advocate for more ferries, congestion pricing on the roads, thinking of other options that aren't subways or buses even for that matter? Sure. So you know that we are a membership-based organization of subway and bus riders, and with that in mind, the MTA um, is our priority. But I think that whatever urban policies are proposed when it comes to transportation, they have to be multimodal, right? including ferries, bikes, subways, buses, they should all really be part of the bigger agenda um, because these things in aggregate can really address the different demands that New Yorkers have when it comes to getting around. Right, one of the things that I've noticed is that with the BQX and the ferries, mm -hmm. they both seem to be low volume solutions that cost the city a lot of money. They look good, they feel good, they're probably a positive for quality of life in a lot of ways in businesses and businesses and sort of development around them, but in terms of transit efficiency, they just don't do the job anywhere close to what the subway can do, just number of people and, and speed and volume really. You're right. <laughs> I mean, yeah, no, I, I totally agree with you. Um, and so when we think about which modes we want to support in a city that's becoming more and more dense, these questions of efficiency, right? How many more people can a bus fit compared to a private car? And how expensive is it to run a ferry service compared to a bus service, right? These are all really important things that our elected officials need to consider when thinking about how we're going to fund our transportation infrastructure. And there was one other thing that I wanted to sort of touch on when you were asking earlier about transportation policies that really should be considered on, that should be on the table when, you know, we're thinking about the broader crisis, both of our subways, but also the congestion on our streets, and that is sort of this Move New York plan, right, which has been on the table for a couple years now, and it seems to be gaining traction in certain ways. It's really an opportunity to do a, a number of different things. One is address the congestion that we have in Manhattan, but it's also a way to fund our roads and bridges and our subways by equalizing the costs that drivers are paying to cross different bridges throughout the city, right? So some folks will be having to pay more and others will, you know, be, be lucky enough to pay less. Everything, including sort of congestion pricing, should be on the table. One of the things that I've been thinking about more and more is this overall sort of image issue and, and kind of branding. And I'm wondering how, from a political perspective, if the city or the state just pays a couple people who are really good at PR branding to cultivate some sort of new cheap kind of marketing initiative that brings everyone together that says New York rides or whatever it's going to be and, and something where there's some flashy icon they got little videos that they can put on on YouTube and the pop up 
on Twitter and on Instagram and that you might see on some screens on the trains and some kind of color scheme and just like 10 quick points of like this is what we're doing this is how your future is going to be better and not something that requires some massive ridership survey or, or some ridiculously overpriced corporate PR firm but just something that's like boom here's how to rebrand this thing and get people excited and come together around the initiative Loda's got this like 30 point plan and it, there's like so much going on there and so I'm just thinking can we simplify it can, isn't there some way to just like sell this thing to people to make it to get people excited yeah I mean in a lot of ways the governor has a captive audience in the subways <laughs> you probably noticed that a lot of the advertisements sort of the, the government branded advertisements are from the state and not as many that we we see from the city, both are represented. But so, so he has an opportunity to really improve communications with writers underground. But I think that the best branding can only really come from results. Are we going to get out of the summer of hell, and is it going to become the fall 2000 of hell of 2017? Right. That is really what's going to um, give writers a sense of faith in Loda, and really, most importantly, the governor's ability to to fix the system. And do you have any advice for um, Mr. Loda, our new transit, the old new transit chairman? If, if you had your two minutes with him, what advice would you impart to him? This is sort of an opportunity for Chairman Loda to test a number of pilot projects, which he's already going to, will be doing with the action plan that he laid out. But importantly, we need, writers need a sense of, a clear timetable for when subway cars will be delivered. Right now, it's set to take a couple of years for them to be manufactured and brought into the system. What is it going to mean to really expand the capacity of the system? The other thing is, how are we going to, and when are we going to, implement a signaling system that's not you know, built in 1930s, <laughs> for 1930s infrastructure, right? It's 2017, and this kind of antiquated pulley system that we're relying on for our trains to communicate with one another is simply not cutting it. It would be really great to know, again, what does that timetable for delivery look like? And lastly, to the extent that he can and that he has the governor's ear, push the governor and really hold him accountable to identifying a sustainable source of funding for the MTA. Without the money and the resources really that's needed to fix the system, we're going to continue to be sort of where we're at, and, and that is the state of emergency. It's those three things. One is it's those technical fixes, the signals, and um, the train cars, and the other is leadership, right? Getting the governor to really use this moment to step up and find a way to fund the subways. But the extent to which, you know, we continue to apply uh, pressure on Governor Cuomo will really be the defining factor in his ability to to not just get the job done but but feel that it's something that that's politically necessary for him if you know your listeners are interested in joining our movement of subway and bus riders we do you know grassroots organizing we meet with elected officials we write op-eds uh, folks can reach out to us at writersny.org and your website your instagram your twitter those good places to 
Yeah, definitely. Uh, they're pretty good places to sort of follow our general commentary, but also the organizing work that we do. What if people want to complain to the MTA? What's the best way to reach them? Uh, people should tweet at the governor, at NYGovCuomo. And we know that actually that's worked because a couple weeks ago when he announced his billion dollar investment in the MTA. By the way, that billion dollars, we still don't know where it's going to come from. He made a big promise and you know we still don't know how he's gonna be able to back it up. But point is, is in that speech on transit infrastructure, he admitted and that he's been frustrated by writers who've been tweeting at him. So, you know, keep it up. Um, every time you're stuck underground and if you're lucky enough to be near a station have a Wi-Fi signal, make sure that uh, he knows exactly what's happening and that you are holding him accountable. Excellent. Thank you very much for uh, coming on to Air Brooklyn. Very interesting to understand more about these issues in depth. And as a uh, Brooklynite who loves to ride the subways but is often depressed about how slowly they move us around. I'm excited to see the, the new changes take place. Yeah, we are too, and thanks for covering this issue. We're glad that um, you know your listeners are tuning in. Awesome, thank you. Now we've heard from the activists, we've heard from the public officials, folks in government. Just want to give some Brooklynites a chance to respond to the questions about what's wrong with the subways, what they're angry about. So here's a couple of folks. Let's start with Kai and Monet, who I met at Borough Hall. You're angry. Yeah, it's always a delay. All the time. 25 9. Like, you can't go anywhere without a delay. Yeah. Oh, my name is Kai, and I live in East Flatbush. To Borough Hall, or I go to Bay Ridge, no, Brighton Beach, or Manhattan. And how often would you say the train is late? When you All the time. Literally. I feel like today is the only day, like, trains were running back to back to back. And I was like, wow. But when I went to work yesterday, it was delayed. It's always delayed. Yeah. How does that make you feel? It, it makes no sense because we, they're trying to raise the price. And it's like, my money, to, the fare should not be $3 because every day it's something new. So it's like, why? Why are you raising the fare when nothing is better? Like, I heard they were trying to take away seats in the train to make it faster. I'm like, no, because now I'm going to have to stand the whole ride. That don't make no sense. <laughs> I don't like it. Mm-mm. So when you take the train, what's the biggest problem for you generally? Crazy people. This week, I've met a crazy person each day. Like, yelling something, causing ruckus. I'm like, it's too early for this. Like, I just want to sleep. But I was on my way to work. So I guess the crazies come out early. Well, what would you fix if you had the pa- all the power in the world? Well, I could have the guy that says, we apologize, but there's train traffic ahead of us disappear. What would you have them say instead? Just don't have train traffic. Schedule it out better. I feel like they Some try, though. There's a single delay every day. Okay, there's yeah. train traffic every day. There is. like... What's the, what's the problem? But I feel like they try to keep it on schedule. Oh, it's just something always happens. Everything's supposed to be the most sophisticated they are. in the world, and it's really not. It's not. I don't understand why you have to wait for it to break to realize it needs to be fixed. Amen. <laughs> That's true. So on a scale of 1 to 10, how angry are you every day about how bad the trains are? 11. 
If I have nowhere to go, I'm at a four. If I'm going to work, it's 15. Oh, five. Yeah. So work? You think the FDA should pay you for every minute you make yes. it work? Yes, because I'm taking out of my money. Uh -huh. yeah. Then you have to put in the time later than you arrive. You're supposed to arrive. I'm Pilara. I'm going to my hand. Which train are you taking? Usually all on end. And do you find that they're usually on time? No. Never. Very few times. You can count in your hand how many times you can take the train on time. Every part, everybody does make the complaint. They do what they wanted to do and nothing changed. It has been for a long time doing the same thing. Nothing changed. The point is to find the solution. See, I'm going Kenneth And what's your experience generally with the trains? Are they on time? Are they late? Mostly late. How does it make you feel? I mean, it's not that expensive, so I guess it's kind of fair. Yeah, it's kind of fair. Are you late to get to work, to school? Are you generally frustrated by the trains or you don't really get bothered by it? I don't really care. Yeah. I usually get late to school, but I don't really care. Where's your school? Bronx. So what, what train do you normally take to get there? Six. And um, how often would you say it's late? Twice a week, like five minutes late, always. It's usually late. Yeah. Half the time it's late. Yeah. Okay. And uh, what's the most annoying thing about the trains in your experience? Uh, traffic's. The traffic's like unexpected traffic's. So train traffic ahead. Yeah, it just gets stuck out of nowhere. And all your plans go to waste. How often do you get stuck for more than 10 minutes? No. Like, I think it's like one fourth of the time. Yeah. Just sitting there. Yeah. Would you be happier if they at least explained why you were stuck? Like, uh, if, if they were to say, oh, we're stopped because of this, because of that, not just a general. I'm happy if they tell me when can. It, you know, continue traveling. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I don't really care what happened, but I want to go to the place I want to go. Yeah. And where do you go to school in the Bronx? Travel up to 149th Street. Where, where, what neighborhood do you live in? Bedstuy. Bedstuy. Yeah. That's far. Yeah. Wow. So how long is your commute every day? Uh, an hour and twenty minutes to each way. Yeah. So you're spending you know, sometimes three hours on the train today. That's why I sleep. Sleep. Yeah. You don't let it bother you. No. You're not angry. Actually, I like sleeping on the train. When it's in motion, it can it, it feels good. So, uh, what's your name and where are you going? My name is Laura. I'm going to Manhattan. And uh, what train are you taking? taking the R train. And what's your uh, experience generally with the R train? Um, it's been pretty good. I've taken it every day for the past two weeks now, so it's been consistent. And 
Any problems that you encounter? Lateness? Well, generally, I thought I had the timing down, but I think it changes a little bit every day, so that maybe is one thing that I was not expecting. There was one day that there was a track fire at 59th, and so that was kind of a hassle, but otherwise, it's been, like, generally okay. How did that make you feel in terms of safety, security? <laughs> uh, not great, but at least it was pretty far up. It was a 59th, so I felt like, oh, okay, at least I'm not there, and they were stopping the trains, and they seemed to be safe about it, so it wasn't terrible. You feel like you're in good hands? I think so, generally, yeah. And how about in terms of uh, money that's going to repairs and making things work better? Do you think as as a city, as a society, you know, you're seeing enough investment? Definitely, this New York has really dire subway stations compared to a lot of other countries. I know Taiwan, for instance, I visited this Christmas and it was so clean and nice and it seems a lot safer, so it's just something I think that we could do a lot better as, but of course there's priorities everywhere, so you kind of think as long as the system's running and it's generally pretty safe, then maybe it's not top priority, but it should be in the least top-ish. <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> I think it's for sure about speaking up and maybe documenting more the issues and giving real-life examples. I think, like, people just say, oh, generally, like, the subway sucks, and it's like, well, like, what exactly happened? I think it's important to maybe document, like, your personal experiences with that, and, like, sure, and give, like, talk to your representatives and that kind of thing, and, I mean, you know, you never really see the direct impact it has, but I think if enough people start doing that, it could make it pretty much big voice. Like, recently, they updated a lot of the, the timing and showing when time the train is coming. I think that's super useful. That's what a lot of people care about. Um, I think especially in the summer, like, pay attention to cars that aren't air-conditioned. I mean, it's kind of, I think, keeping in mind what people, in terms of comfort, in terms of, like, reliability, those important pieces. So I would say to keep those in mind. And, of course, reliability and safety are <laughs> up there, too. It's Mike. I'm on the off train heading to Brighton Beach. And what's your experience generally with uh, New York City subways? It's horrible. Nothing but delays. How does that make you feel when you're trying to get somewhere? Frustrated. Can you elaborate a little bit? Uh, you're always late, uh, rushing, and uh, you, you know, the city should just get their act together. Who do you blame, the governor, the mayor? I'd say both, mostly the mayor. Do you have any solutions in mind, things that you think would help fix the system? They have to cut their, their waste. They waste so much money, and then where the money is needed, they're not putting it. You have trains breaking down. You have uh, these constant power failures. Trains being stuck in the tunnels. So it's just way too much waste in the system. Do you think in five years it'll be better, or do you think it's just going downhill and it's irreversible? No, it could improve. Uh, it just takes someone with the, you know, the, the, the will to improve it. And I don't think the mayor cares. Do you think the governor cares? Marginally. You know, he's not affected in the least. He only cares as far as the votes go. I feel like Joel Lewis, uh, got it together, that he has a plan that he's capable of executing. I don't know uh, how capable he is, I don't know him, but he has to try to work, you know, get by the mayor and the governor. He could only do so much.
know, what percentage of transit you're on would you say are on time? Maybe 50%. Not great. No, not great at all. If it was a private uh, company, these same politicians would be looking at throwing them in prison or something. And uh, do you have any alternatives for taking the train? Is there anything else you can do? Drive, bus, book? Well, no, no reasonable alternative. There's, um, you know, drive, you're just stuck in traffic. Um, and the bus, the same thing. You take jump on a bus, it's um, the same MTA, and you get stuck in traffic. Only thing is you pay more money. So you're pretty much stuck, you're saying? Right. We've heard from the officials, the transit advocates, and the riders themselves. What we're left with is uncertainty about whether city, state, and federal government agencies will come together to fund the necessary fixes for this system. Just yesterday, the mayor announced his plan to pay for the city's portion of subway improvements and a half-price so-called fair fares program via a millionaire tax on the wealthiest 1% of NYC residents. But this is not guaranteed to make its way through Albany, especially as the governor has now pivoted towards a congestion tax. Meanwhile, let's look at the fundamentals. Subway ridership has grown from 4 million a day in the 1990s to a whopping 6 million today. Annually, the number of passengers has almost doubled in that time, though the number of trains and miles of tracks has essentially stayed the same. Overcrowding is the single biggest cause of delays, and at this point, the MTA has resorted to sending out trains at regular intervals during rush hour, rather than even trying to meet train schedules at all. Many trains are simply canceled, never even running, and on-time performance is as low as 33% and 35% on the two and five trains. Today's City Council Transportation Committee oversight hearing We'll review the latest survey findings and hopefully move forward with some solutions. As the summer of hell comes to a close, will the transit state of emergency be lifted? Only time will tell. That's all for Air Brooklyn. This is your host, Ben Piven. Thanks to all of our guests for their thoughts on New York City's subway woes. Next time on Air Brooklyn, we'll be talking to the founder of the Ask Project a novel format for posing tough questions. Until then, ciao ciao.